Hello, everyone. Welcome to Talking Logistics, where we have conversations with thought leaders and newsmakers in the supply chain logistics industry. It's my great pleasure to welcome today's program, Kyle Jepson, who is Senior VP of Product at Emerge. And today we're going to talk about why benchmarking is the first step to a successful procurement event. Now, I was at a, uh, an industry conference recently, and I was asked by a shipper many questions about transportation procurement, including, you know, how do you best determine how often, uh, you know, how frequently, um, you know, should, should we do, be doing transportation procurement events? And it's a question that, you know, many shippers are asking today as they try to navigate through this ever-changing, you know, transportation market. Um, the good news is that companies today have greater access to real-time uh, benchmarking data and market intelligence. So why is benchmarking the, the first step to a successful procurement event? Well, that's the main question we're going to discuss in today's episode. And it's great to have Kyle on the program to share his insights and advice on this program. So Kyle, welcome to the program. Yeah, great to be here. Thanks for having me. So Kyle, like I always do, whenever I, you know we have a new uh, first-time guest on Talking Logistics, I'm always curious how people get involved with this industry. And um, so why don't we start there before we kind of dive into the topic here. Why don't you tell us briefly a little bit about your career path, how and why you got involved with supply chain logistics and what your role and responsibilities are there at, at Emerge? Yeah, so I'm the SVP of product here at Emerge. Really, I'm responsible to understand our customer problems and deliver solutions that meet those problems. Um, so put it, put it simply, that's really kind of my roles and responsibilities. Um, my introduction to logistics was kind of by happenstance. Um, I actually took an interview at a company called Global Trans a little over 10 years ago, right out of college as a practice interview. Um, chatted with the founder and was really excited about the opportunity. Um, came into a program that they called a global trans entrepreneurship program. So I didn't know it at the time, but it turned out to be one of the most beneficial things that I could possibly have done. I spent six months spending two weeks in every department in the company. So, you know, rebuilds, claims, truckload, ocean, air freight, and really got a holistic view of every aspect of the business. And then I went out and, and became an outside sales agent for them. So it was kind of their attempt to bring college kids, teach them logistics and send them out and, and see what they could do. Um, worked as a, an outside agent for a little bit and eventually got involved with the CTO at the time. Uh, and he brought me in as a, a product manager. So I came in-house, left the sales uh, arena and really focused on that. So um, it's kind of how I got into product. And I've been working with Andrew through three companies now. So followed him from Global Trans to 10.4. And as we started Emerge, was one of the founding members. Great. Well, you know, I think your story is common for, for many folks, uh, you, you know, where they, you know, fall into the industry, if you will. It's not something they started, studied in college. It's not, you know, a lot of folks, including myself, didn't even know this industry existed. Um, but once you get in, you know, uh, I, I think, you know, with, with, yeah, it's hard to get out because it's very stimulating, very exciting. And certainly it, that's been the case for, for the past two years, uh, at least. So, um, well, so great. So obviously you've, you've, you've got a wealth of experience. Uh, you know, over the past 10 plus years, uh, you know, in, in the industry. Um, so, so let's, let's get into this topic now. Um, and let's just go right to the main question of, of today's episode. Why is benchmarking the first step to a successful, you know, procurement event? I mean, how does it help a shipper prepare for a procurement event? Yeah. So you want to know how you've bought against the market in the past. You want to know what the market's doing today, both spot and contract, so that as you look at your rates, do you want to extend lanes? Do you want to play the spot market in certain lanes? Or how long should I go to bid? And should I even take these lanes to bid right now? So it really gives you good leading indicators of 
how to run your procurement event and the strategy that you choose there. You know, moving everything in an annual event, we've seen fall apart. So how do I more strategically leverage data to make the right decisions of do I run a one month bid, a three month bid, an annual bid, um, whatever that might be. Yeah, you, know, you brought up, you know, a lot of questions that shippers, you, you know, have, right, you know, which is, you know, when should I go to bid? How often should I go to bid? Which lane should I take to bid? You know, you know, how did my performance compare to, uh, you know, I think a lot of the questions shippers have had been able to answer historically is, hey, how are we doing compared to plan? How are we doing compared to last year? But they've always struggled with, you know, how are we doing to some kind of external benchmark? How are we doing compared to the current market reality? And that's always been you know, uh, the challenge, but, you know, benchmarking kind of helps with that. I'm going to get to that, um, you know, point in a minute, but I want to, I want to tack on to something you just said be, uh, right, right now. I mean, there's a lot of conversation, including with that shipper that I spoke to at that conference about moving away from, you know, annual procurement bids to doing kind of more frequent shorter term, you know, bids. I mean, how does benchmarking, you know, tie into this? I mean, it is having, you know, access to benchmarking data, you know, I must have if you plan to do more frequent short, shorter term bids? I don't know that it's a must have. I think the tools that allow you to do those shorter term bids are as important as the data that drives the decisions behind that. But, you know, I think benchmarking data, as well as looking at your historical behavior in a lane, you know, do I have seasonality and trends? Maybe I, if I have consistent lanes throughout the year, well, let's put those out in an annual event. You know, I'm going to have the same volume every week for the full year. However, maybe I've got a 4th of July peak season. It doesn't make sense to put that out in my annual bid. The carrier's not going to see that for several months. I'm going to lose that carrier. So I can use that data to better understand, you know, my historical data, as well as how the market is shifting and evolving and seasonality. And, you know, do I play the spot market? Do I, do I go to contract? You know, I think, you know, what, what, you know, strikes me is that um, I, I think the overall, overall, um, sense that I get from shippers, as well as others that have, you know, the, many folks are talking about procurement and what the right strategy is moving forward. I think there is a general consensus that, and we've done research with our Indago research community on this in terms of, you know, is it time to transform or innovate the freight procurement process? I think overwhelmingly, I think shippers and carriers both say yes, right? For, um, you know, I think everyone agrees that the, you know, set it and forget it of the uh, annual procurement, a traditional annual procurement process is kind of outdated. Um, but I think the question now is, and I think this is, is all driven around being more data driven, if you will, is really truly understanding, you know, your lanes, the, the nature of those lanes, truly understanding, having visibility to maybe what uh, your freight capacity requirements are going to be on a, on, a, on a moving forward basis. So really having more and more of this data available helps companies be, become a little bit more flexible um, be able to take a more um, portfolio approach, if you will. That's one of the terms I've seen. You know, really, it's not a one-size-fits-all approach, but really, you know, taking your lanes and understanding them, and then there might be certain lanes that are more appropriate for shorter-term, you know, more frequent bids, and other lanes that might be more appropriate to an annual bid. There might be certain lanes that might be more appropriate for strategic long-term carrier partners, others that might be better fit for you know, uh, more the spot market and things like that. I mean, is that kind of how you, you see it as well? Yeah, I see it very much like that. You know, there's other factors as well. You know, storage space has become a huge problem in warehouses. You know, can I have drop trailers? Can I not? If I have to have a trailer pool, it's very hard to replace a trailer pool and switch carriers out on a lane. So 
it probably makes sense to lock in longer contracts if I have trailer pools or those types of requirements of lanes. But if it's a live load situation, I can take advantage of the market and um, really balance the you know lack of ability to forecast today with the current supply chain situation, right? Um, knowing when orders are going to go out, when they're going to come in has been incredibly difficult. And it makes it very hard to give carriers an estimate of when you're going to have freight, will it be there? And if freight isn't coming to fruition, those carriers are going to fall off. They're going to reject those tenders. And that's what we've seen in the last year to three years is those route guides just fall apart because of the rapidly changing and inconsistent nature of that. Yeah. I mean, I mean, certainly I think one of the, uh, uh, you know, uh, trends in the market, if you will, is a lot of companies have become more supply driven these days because there's so much inconsistency in when they're going to get supply, when they're going to be able to manufacture things, depending on if they're short on, on components or short, short on supplies. So I think this whole area, I mean, it's always been difficult to forecast and plan for yeah. demand um, and then be able to convert that in, into freight capacity requirements, if you will. But, you know, certainly, you know, over the past two years with COVID and what the port situation, everything else has made that even more difficult, if, if, if not impossible. And obviously that has a ripple effect on, on the procurement side of things. Um, so, I mean, historically, um, you know, getting access to real-time, you, you know, benchmarking data has been a, you know, challenge for shippers. Um, you know, I, again, you know, a lot of them had good data on their own internal operations, right? They can, you know, uh, take out reports about what happened last year, what happened last quarter and things like that. But, you know, having data, that they can bench external data, they can benchmark themselves. So historically hasn't been that easy. Um, is getting access to benchmarking data easier today? And, and if so, you know, why is it easier? I would say, I don't know that it's easier today. There's probably a few more providers. So maybe that makes it easier. I would say the quality of that data has greatly improved. You know, the granularity of data that's feeding from systems into these providers is getting much better. You know, you're be able to filter out accessorials and, and account for things like that. You're able to separate spot from contract. So we're seeing the data quality and the connectedness of systems with this kind of API economy that we've started to see um, is making it much more real time and just higher data quality. So I don't know that it's too much easier, but I think the quality of it and the value that you can get from benchmarking data has greatly improved in the last few years. Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, I think, you know, I, it, you know, when you look at the technology side of things, you know, the fact that we've moved to this web services, we've moved to APIs, particularly in the, in the transportation industry. I mean, there's more work to be done in that area, but I think certainly that's been, you know, one of the uh, developments uh, and innovations in the industry that, that has facilitated this. Um, but I, but I want to ask a question related to what you just said, because I think it's an important point. I mean, which is the quality of the data? So, you know, I think the, um, you know, we always talked about, you know, garbage in, garbage out. Um, I mean, how can shippers assess the quality of, of benchmarking data? I mean, in, in other words, I mean, um, you, you know, what are some characteristics of good and trustworthy uh, benchmarking data? Yeah, I'd say the volume of data that the provider has is probably the number one driver. You want to see consistency in that data year over year. And the way I really think about it is shippers shouldn't just look at the benchmark rates they get. You look historically how I bought against those benchmarks. Because I might be 5% under the whatever benchmark I'm using today. However, a year ago, I was 10% below. You know, maybe I've got easy warehouses to get in and out of. I've got good quality freight. So understanding not just the benchmarks, but how you historically stack up against those, I think is really important because every shipper is different. You know, the expectations are different. So 
getting that and, and building that into the way you think about the benchmarking data you're using is incredibly important. Yeah, and I think that's a great point. And I, and I know that's something that, um, you know, when I've talked to folks as well, um, and I think you, 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 you nailed it right there, you know, it's really putting that data into context, right? So if you don't have data, you know, a data is just a, you know, it could be just a number, right? <laughs> so, but if you don't, if you don't put it into some kind of context in terms of, you know, um, like you said, you know, how does this relate to last year? How does this relate to the rest of the market? How does it relate to my, your own particular goals and objectives? So, you know, I always tell folks is like, you know, there might be lanes where you might be paying more um, than the market average, but you want to pay more because those are the lanes that, that are for your most critical customers where, you know, uh, you know, maybe it's an on time in full type of lane where, you know, the, the, the cost of failure is extremely high. So you might be willing to pay a little extra premium to, to very strategic partners that have, have proven themselves to provide a high level of service. Um, so it's kind of in, within that context that, you, you know, that, that makes it important. You can justify, you know, uh, paying a little bit more on certain lanes. But so I think context you know, is important. I think the other thing, and I'm kind of curious in your points, I mean, so you're getting data from multiple sources, you know, now you've got a more volume of data that, that can pr provide greater insights, but it's also, uh, you know, my, my understanding is that, you know, to really understand the data, it's more than just taking a bunch of numbers and, you know, and averaging them out. There has to be some intelligence in terms of how that data is, is used and presented, you know, to folks. Is that right? Uh, absolutely. You have to look at, you know, the number of transactions over a given period of time. You have to look at the number of customers that make that up. So, you know, you don't want to have one person that's offsetting benchmarks. So you really have to think about what are the zones that you move from, uh, like how wide is your radius or your zone that you're working with. So there's a lot of considerations there, um, looking at modes, looking at live or drop trailer. So the more data you can get in, the, the more you can really think about and, and science that and you know, data science and machine learning have come so far in their ability to not only account for the actual data, but also broader macroeconomic trends that we're seeing that um, can help give insight into either forecasting for benchmarking or more predictive rates or just improving our models that we have for understanding the historical behavior. Great, great. So, um, you know, we could probably talk for hours, uh, you know, on this topic, but, uh, you know, as a way to wrap up, I mean, um, my last question is really on kind of what's always been the, the biggest hurdle for any kind of transformation or, or innovation or change in the industry. It's, it's kind of moving away from the, you know, quote, we've always done it uh, approach to, you know, uh, you know, a new approach, if you will. So, you know, change management is always, you know, the, the biggest challenge. And this obviously applies to, to freight procurement, too. So how can, you know, shippers get over that, you know, moving away from the way we've always done it, you know, hurdle? I mean, what's the first step? Yeah, I think, you know, from my perspective, the first step is finding a tool that supports that. But what's really facilitated a lot of interest is the market has forced shippers to be open to change, right? We know the way we did things five years ago doesn't work today. So people are open to that change. And I think, you know, there's a lot of people in the industry who are having great conversations and populating information much more so than we ever have in the past. So I think the ability for shippers to know that I'm not the only one and kind of see the thought leaders and, and get more exposure to what other people are thinking about is really, really valuable in driving that, being a catalyst that change. Yeah, that's it. You know, sometimes it takes a crisis, if you will, or, or a lot of pain for people to say, you know what, there's got to be a better way. <laughs> and, uh, I, you know, I, I think my takeaway from that conference was, and the fact that I was having these conversations with so many shippers is that, you know, they have these questions, right? They're obviously looking at procurement 
and they're all looking for a better way or trying to get as much knowledge and information in terms of what are some leading practices out there. And certainly the use of uh, benchmarking and market intelligence as part of their procurement process um, is one of those areas that um, you know more and more companies are starting to uh, to adopt. So uh, you know, uh, Kyle, again, like uh, thank you very much for for making the time uh, you know to be with us today. Again, we could probably talk about this topic you know forever, but you provided some great insights and advice. So I appreciate you making the time to be with us today. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. It was it was a blast. Great. I want to thank those of you that joined us. If you're uh, watching this episode on demand, either at the Emerge website or on Talking Logistics, and you've got a question or a comment for Kyle, you can post it there, and I'm sure he'll be more than happy to respond via that medium. Again, thank you for joining us and look forward to seeing you in a future episode of Talking Logistics. Have a great day.